Well, hey, again, if you're just joining us, my name is Adam, one of the pastors here. Really glad to be able to open God's word and study it together this morning. As we do this, I want to let you know something new that we're trying here is if English is not your first language, and it might be a little difficult for you to follow along as I am speaking, uh, it might be helpful for you to be able to read along in your own language. And so we're using a a transcription service so that if you want to follow along in a different language, you can do that. Just go to efree.org slash translate on your phone or your tablet. It will be a live translation of what I am saying in whatever language is most helpful to you. Also, if you don't have a Bible with you and you would like to follow along with us, we're, we're using the YouVersion Bible app a lot and the verses are preloaded in there for you. If you just open the YouVersion Bible app, which is free, click on more, click on events, you'll see First Free Church and you'll have not only all of our announcements and links there, but you'll also have the scripture passage for today to follow along with us. We've been in a series called A Thrill of Hope. This has been a great series and uh, very excited about, um, about where it's gone for us. It's been fun to be a part of. But today we start to wrap that up and we'll really officially wrap it up on Christmas Eve with our last message. But there's kind of a bonus message that is coming. I don't want to reveal too much about it, but it's, it's pretty cool. Instead of a thrill of hope, this one's called Agents of Hope. And I'm not going to give too much away about that, but next week it's a one service, 1045. You want to be here for that. It's sort of a spinoff of the Thrill of Hope series. But let me just catch you up on kind of where we've come from in a thrill of hope. We started by talking about how humanity is broken, messed up, sinful, in need of rescue, in need of a savior, in need of some hope. And then we talked the week after that about the Old Testament prophecies and the promise of hope. How prophecy after prophecy points to the fulfillment of Jesus Christ as the Messiah. And we walked through those. We even put them up on the screen back here. Just six of the dozens and dozens of prophecies that were fulfilled in Jesus. And then we gave two pictures of hope, stories of hope, with Zechariah and Mary and how they had hope and responded to Jesus. Today, we're going to look at a third story, the story of Simeon. Simeon is an older gentleman who has a real story of hope. And you may never have heard of Simeon before. Not too many people know a lot about him. He's not in a lot of nativity sets, none that I am aware of. Although I would challenge you to go try to create some replica of Simeon and add that to your nativity set. Because this guy is pretty cool. But he's very little known um, outside of there's this one place where he's talked about in Luke. Simeon's kind of like the guy, if he was in a movie, he would be at the end in the credits in the little fine print, you know, that nobody sticks around to read except for the mothers of the background actors who want to see their son's name there. You know, nobody really sticks around to see who led hair and makeup production. I mean, maybe you do, but I don't. Or who was the roto manager, who was the lead stereoscopic expert, or those types of things. We We don't know who those people are in the movies, but that's sort of the place Simeon has for us. So it's no big deal if you don't know who Simeon is, but he's kind of a big deal. He gets overshadowed by all of these miracles around the time of Christmas. And don't get me wrong, those are amazing, but there's so much amazing stuff that happens in the life of Simeon. And in just a few verses, as we'll see in a moment, we see that Simeon is one of the few people, really the best source for early teaching about Jesus, right when he's a baby. Simeon says some things, guided by the Holy Spirit, that give us some incredible insights 
into what Jesus would do and how we relate to him today. So I want you to get to know Simeon a little bit. Let me give you some context for this though because Mary has already had the baby Jesus in Bethlehem about 40 days ago. And now her and Joseph are headed to the temple in Jerusalem because the religious law states that you need to dedicate your baby after 40 days. So they're there. And Mary's also going to go through a ceremonial cleansing because anytime they gave birth, they needed to do that. And so they're there at the temple and they're walking up the temple steps to dedicate the baby Jesus. Now let's get to know Simeon a little bit. This is Luke chapter 2, verse 25. At that time... There was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. He was righteous and devout and was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. The Holy Spirit was upon him and had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Now this is the only place in the Bible where we learn about Simeon. This is it. And he's probably a very old man because we'll see later on he says that he's ready to die in peace because he's finally seen the Messiah. So this is an older gentleman who spends time at the temple. Like many of the Jews, he is eagerly waiting for the Messiah. They all eagerly waited for the Messiah. But Simeon was a righteous man, a devout man. That means that he did what God wanted him to do. He didn't do the things God didn't want him to do. And he had a close relationship with God. But he had something extra special. See, all of the Jewish people were looking forward to a Messiah. And Simeon, as long as he could remember, knew that Roman occupation had just kind of stomped on the Jewish people. And so like all of the Jews, he longed for a time, I'm sure, when the Roman rule would be overthrown. But unlike the rest of the Jews in his day, Simeon was directly influenced by the Holy Spirit. He had a relationship with God and the Spirit worked with him. He was told by the Holy Spirit that he would actually get to see the Messiah. Now that's an amazing thing. The Messiah has been prophesied for hundreds and hundreds of years and now this one man is being told, you will live to see the Messiah. That's an amazing thing. And so today is that day. Now he doesn't know it yet, but today is the day when Simeon gets to see the Messiah. Now he's gonna be led to the temple by the Holy Spirit. Verse 27 says, that day the Spirit led him to the temple. So when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby Jesus To the Lord, as the law required, Simeon was there. He took the child in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace, as you have promised. I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. He is a light to reveal God to the nations, and he is the glory of your people, Israel. Would you just bow your heads with me for a moment and pray before we dive into this? God, we're so thankful for your word and what it teaches us. And we're thankful that that you came to earth in the form of Jesus so that we could be rescued to you. As we study this passage about Simeon, Lord, I pray that you would teach us some things through his life and through his hope. Help us to understand how you are working in this world and want to interact with us, the kind of relationship you want to have with us, Lord. If there are people here who don't know you, as their savior. I pray that as we walk through this together, you would open their eyes, reveal yourself to them so they can see how you are at work and trust in you. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. 
So this is the day Simeon has been waiting for. He's been preparing for this for a long time. I wonder how many babies he went up to. Like, is this the one? Is this, is it? No, no. And those poor parents, him approaching it. No, it's not your baby. Never mind. Was it ugly or something? I don't know. I wonder if Simeon ever had doubts, right? Did he ever go, was that really the Holy Spirit? Like, maybe that was just a dream. Maybe that was just wishful thinking. Maybe that's my own thoughts. Did he ever get inside his own head and just go, I don't know. Did he ever doubt this? I don't know. But today's the day. Today's the day that he has been waiting for. And he runs up and he grabs the baby Jesus into his arms and he says this beautiful prophecy over him. Imagine being Mary or Joseph and this older gentleman rushes over and takes your baby in his arms and starts to talk about him. Now, I feel like this might be an appropriate time for a bit of a public service announcement because we are going through what we call a baby boom here at First Free. I don't know why. There's something in the water and they just keep coming out. So we've got lots of babies being born all the time. We are expanding our nursery to accommodate that, which means we need volunteers. So we would love for you to be involved in our nursery ministry. But that's not what this is about. The public service announcement is this. All of our new mothers, I think, would want you to understand that what Simeon did with Jesus is not a biblical foundation for what you can do with their child. I think that's important. When these babies are around, please do not rush over and try to pick them up without permission. Please do not touch their faces. Don't even breathe on them. You do not have the excuse that Simeon did. And their baby does not have the immune system that Jesus did. So just leave them alone. That one's for free. But I wonder, I wonder what Mary and Joseph were thinking. When Simeon rushed over and took their baby in his arms, I wonder if Mary and Joseph are going, uh, get away from us, give us back our baby, please. These are people that have experienced a lot. And here this old man rushes over, but then he starts to talk. And what he shares is amazing. He says, sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace. As you have promised, I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. He is a light to reveal God to the nations, and he is the glory of your people, Israel. Jesus' parents were amazed at what was being said about him. And remember, these are two people that had just seen less than two months ago, or no, they had just seen less than a year ago, an angel, Gabriel, right? Independently, these two people saw the angel, Gabriel. These are people who shortly after Jesus was born had a bunch of shepherds come and, and visit them spontaneously afterward and say, a bunch of angels showed up and told us to come here. So I'm kind of surprised that anything surprises Mary and Joseph at this point. But they were amazed when they heard what was being said about Jesus. I want us to unpack Simeon's words here because there are five things that I think are really important for us to, to glean out of this. Five things that I want to share with you that Simeon shares when he is talking to Mary and Joseph. The first one was that Simeon was kept alive until he could see Jesus. Kept alive. That's pretty amazing. Can you imagine someone telling you that they had been waiting to die until they could see your child? That is an unusual thing. And that God promised them that they would not die until they saw your child. 
that is, that is either really cool or really crazy and maybe a little bit of both. Simeon was told he would get to see Jesus. That's amazing. The second thing that he says is that this baby, Jesus, is God's salvation. Notice that he doesn't say, I have seen this child who will bring salvation to people. He doesn't say that. He says, I have seen your salvation, God's salvation. And this was part of the mystery surrounding the coming of the Messiah. The Messiah wouldn't just bring salvation for people. The Messiah would be salvation for people. There's a really important distinction there. See, God's plan for salvation is not about what you do. It's about who you know. It's actually about a person. Salvation is a person, not just something that is done for us. You know, when Jesus teaches his disciples, he doesn't say, follow my teachings. He says, follow me. He doesn't say, my example is the way, the truth, and the life. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. Not just by doing the things I tell you to do, but it's through me, through the person. One of my early jobs was working part-time at a really big organization, thousands and thousands of employees. And I just worked there part-time. I mean, I was, you know, lowest on the totem pole. But I managed to uh, get the attention at some point, not intentionally, completely by accident, of the president of this organization. Very well-known public figure. You all know his name. And he started to like some of the things that I was working on. And so he started to give me more things to do, especially for him. So there were certain things that he and I worked on together, and he would ask me to go do things. And one day, he asked me to do something that basically required his level of authority. I mean, I would need to be him to go do these things. And I knew there was no way I was going to be able to do that. So I said, sir, they're not going to let me just come in in all these different places and do these things. And he said, you tell them that it's for me and that they're supposed to do whatever you say to make this happen. Well, okay then. So I started reaching out to the people that I needed to complete this project. And I would tell them what they needed and they would say, yeah, right. And then I would tell them who I was doing it for. And they would say, yes, sir, right away, sir. We'll have that to you within an hour, sir. And as a little part-time employee, this is the most power I have ever experienced in my life. (laughs) Now, it has nothing to do with what I explained to them about the project. It has nothing to do with what I was working on or what I was doing. They couldn't care less about that. It had everything to do with who I knew. It was because of who I was connected to. I could invoke his name and suddenly there was power behind that. And things that would normally take a month or more to accomplish happened immediately. Information that I would never have access to normally was just handed over just because of who I was working with, because of who I knew. It's not about what you do, it's about who you know and salvation is the same way. It's not about what you do, it's about who you know. Do you know Jesus? Do you know the Savior, the salvation, the one who is salvation for us? It's not about what you do, it's about who you know. Simeon understood this. The Holy Spirit had revealed to Simeon that this was God's salvation. Not just the one who would bring salvation. This is God's salvation, the baby Jesus. And that was probably a little confusing to Mary and Joseph We know later we learn that Mary just pondered all of these things in her heart and lots of curiosities 
going on with all of this. They didn't understand everything that was happening. And so this was probably a little bit confusing to hear this. But what he was going to say next would shock them even more. The third thing Simeon says is, I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. Now, the Jewish people were looking for a Messiah to rescue them from Rome. So to say that salvation is prepared for all people, that's a little bit confusing. Because all people sure seems like it might include the Roman people, if it's all people. And why do the Roman people need saving? It's the Jewish people that need saving. Why would Simeon have said salvation for all people? Maybe he was mistaken. Maybe he meant to say salvation for your people or salvation for the Jewish people. But no, he says salvation for all people. Why is that? Because Simeon understands that God's promised Messiah is not just a military conqueror. And the salvation that God has in mind isn't just some temporary alleviation from suffering and subjugation to other people. It's so much bigger than that. This is salvation from sin and the consequences of sin. This is salvation from an eternity apart from God. Being apart from God means you're apart from the one who gives all good things. And so there can be no good thing when you're apart from God. So set aside the idea even of punishment, just the fact that you cannot be with God means there can be nothing good in your life, nothing good that you experience. It will be terrible. Every good thing we experience in our life right now is because of God, even if we don't believe in him. It is still his grace that allows us to enjoy this life that we have and all of the good things that we have. And this salvation, which God has prepared for us, this salvation, Simeon says, is for all people. Now, don't get confused when I say all people, because this does not mean that all people will be saved or experience salvation. Salvation is for all people in the same way that food is for all people and clothes are for all people. Just because something is for you does not mean you automatically get it or use it. You might believe that food is good for you. You might believe that clothes will keep you warm and respectable, and that is true. But you still have to do something with it. If you don't do something with it, it doesn't help you. Jesus is salvation for all people, not just the Jews, and that's a big deal. But just because that salvation is for you does not mean that everyone automatically gets it. You have to place your faith in Jesus and trust in him for the salvation which is already there for you to be applied to you. Simeon says something else which is really interesting and ties into this. It's the fourth thing. He says that Jesus is a light to reveal God to the nations. So here again, we see it's not just for Israel. It's not just for the Jewish people. It's way bigger than that. But what's especially interesting is that he says he is a light. He's a light to reveal God. Now, you might think that someone coming into earth as a a God might be coming to shine a light on us and show how good or bad you are. And and there's there's truth to that. But that's not what he's saying. He's saying that he's a light to reveal God. This week, one of my kids is, is pretty sick. And so a couple of days ago, in the middle of the night, all of a sudden I heard screaming and crying and, and yelling. And so I got up and I turned on the light on my phone, you know, because that's what we do now. And I walked through the, the room in the hallway to get there without stubbing my toes. And I realized as I got to her door, as she is screaming on the other side, that if I just open this door and walk in with a light shining at her so I can see, that's going to be pretty scary. So I turned the light around so that now the light is focused back on me. 
Now what happens when I open the door? She instantly sees the face of her father walking into the room. And immediately the crying stops. Why? Because she sees that it's her father. I didn't come in just shining a light on her. I came in shining a light on me and revealing that her father was coming in to help her. And that's what's going on here. Jesus comes into this earth. The Bible calls him Emmanuel, meaning God with us. We can't go to God, so God comes to us. And as he does that, he doesn't just shine a light on us. He turns the light around and shines the light on himself so that he's revealing God to us so that we can see this is not God our Father coming to condemn us. This is God our Father coming to help us, coming to rescue us. He is a light to reveal God to the nations. Psalm 27 says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. So why should I be afraid? And Paul says, for God who said, let there be light in the darkness has made this light shine in our hearts so we could know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. See, he turns the light around, shines it back on himself, back on God, so that we can see who he really is and know him and understand him. There's a fifth thing that Simeon says. He says that Jesus is the glory of your people, Israel. And this is significant as well. You see, just because the people of Israel have rejected God again and again and again does not mean that he is done with them. Just because he's bringing salvation on a much broader scale than they could ever have imagined doesn't mean that they are not still his special chosen people. And what an honor. What an incredible honor to be the people chosen by God to reveal himself to the rest of the world. Think about it. It's an incredible privilege. For over 1,500 years, the Jewish people were the primary people group that God used to interact with the rest of the world, to reveal himself to people, to teach the world about him. God has chosen to reveal himself and teach his people primarily through the Jews. From Moses to the prophets, to Paul and Jude and James and ultimately through Jesus Christ. God came to earth as a Jewish man. So he brings glory to the people of Israel, even if many of those people do not recognize who he is. He is the glory of Israel. Now Simeon is going to end his discussion with a, with a personal note to Mary. He turns to Mary and says some things that are amazing and some things that are a little bit hurtful. In verse 34, Simeon blessed them and he turned to Mary. He said to Mary, the baby's mother, this child is destined to cause many in Israel to fall and many others to rise. He has been sent as a sign from God, but many will oppose him. As a result, the deepest thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your very soul. Did he have to include that part? I mean, this day was going so well. Wonderful things about the baby Jesus. This is the best baby dedication service you can ever imagine. And then he says, your soul is gonna be crushed because of this son. That's a, that's a powerful thing to say. A very hurtful thing to say. I have to imagine that Mary is wondering, what does he mean by this? And we know now, looking back, that the life and the death 
of Jesus was a very challenging thing for Mary to go through. Jesus would have been unlike any other kid, right? I mean, can you imagine being Jesus' brother or sister? Every family's got that kid that's sort of the know-it-all, that never seems to do anything wrong or at least doesn't get caught, or that one that sort of overshadows the others. You don't have to point, but every family's got that, that kid. Can you imagine what it was like to be one of Jesus' siblings? That must have been very difficult. We know that later on in life, they had some strained relationships with each other. They didn't always get along. Now, they, they made up later on, but there was some strained relationships there. And Jesus, he spent a lot of his time as, as an adult, a younger adult, traveling around in itinerant missions around Israel. He prioritized his mission over his family of origin. He was mocked, ridiculed, abused, and, and eventually beaten and killed in front of his mother. For a Jewish mother to have her son crucified by the Romans, it doesn't get much worse than that. Her soul will be pierced because of this son. And I don't know why Simeon feels the need to tell her that. The Holy Spirit must have been speaking through him to prepare her for what she was about to experience. But I also don't want to bury the lead here. Because while that is profound and interesting and amazing, what Simeon says right before that is probably even more so. Because he gives us a picture, not only of what Jesus' life and ministry will look like, but the reaction and the response of other people to Jesus' life and ministry. He says that many will fall, many will rise. That Jesus is a sign from God, but many will oppose him. The deepest thoughts of hearts will be revealed by him. And here's the, the takeaway I want you to leave with today. There are basically two kinds of people. I'm sure you've heard that before. It's a common way of, of putting things. I think it goes back to something Mark Twain wrote when he said there are basically two types of people. People who accomplish things and people who claim to have accomplished things. The first group is less crowded. That's probably true. And of course, you know that we have memes about this now, right? So we, we take this kind of uh, categorization. We say about all kinds of things. There are two types of people. I'm going to show you some of my favorite ones. There are two types of people. <laughs> now, be honest. How many of you are a one alarm kind of person? How many of you are a give me some backup alarms? Yeah, that's me, especially on a Sunday. Got to make sure I have those backup alarms ready to go. There are two kinds of people. There are two kinds of people. <laughs> maybe you're the kind that completes the puzzle. Maybe you're the kind that starts and then gives up. Or maybe you're the kind that never even bothers, and that is me. There are two kinds of people. You know how I can tell which kind is the break off a piece nicely kind? You are so uncomfortable right now that that image is even up there on the right. <laughs> it bothers you to look at that. You would like to go up to the screen and just pull those things off to make it look neat. In fact, the whole top row just needs to come off, doesn't it? You know who you are. There are two kinds of people.
some of you cannot stand to see that little number. It's, I got I to go, I got to get rid of it. I got to dismiss that thing. I got to get rid of that notification. Me, I could care less. I don't care about all those numbers. I just look right past them. But for some of you, you cannot ignore it. It's right there. There are two kinds of people. Simeon is talking about two different types of people here. And it all comes down to how they respond to Jesus. See, there's no question that Jesus really existed. This is not really even a debate. It's not even an argument, okay? Even secular historians virtually all admit, yeah, there really was a person named Jesus. He really did come from Nazareth. At least he was called Jesus of Nazareth. He really did have a large following of people. And those people really did believe that he raised from the dead. That doesn't mean they believe that he did. Not everyone, of course. But there's no question historically, if you're just talking about historical evidence and credibility, there's ample evidence that people back then really did believe, many of them, that Jesus rose from the dead and that he really lived and he really existed. That's not really the question. The question for you and I is, who is he? The question is, what is our response to him now that we know what we know about him? Is what Simeon was saying true or not? The hope that Simeon had in this little baby Was that true or not? And Simeon is saying some are going to rise, some are going to fall. There's two different types of people. Some are going to oppose him and some are going to believe in him. Who is he? Is he just a good man who taught some good things that are good for us to apply every now and then? Is he just a guy that we get together and celebrate once or twice a year when it makes sense to go to church and give each other presents and all that? Or is he something more? Is Jesus the prophesied Messiah that we've been talking about for weeks now? The one that God promised would come and rescue people. The one who Jewish people hoped for for over 1,500 years. Is he the Savior who will reveal the deepest thoughts of people? And the one who will be the light to reveal God to them. The one who doesn't just bring salvation, he is salvation. The way, the truth, and the life. There are basically two types of people those who will put their hope in Jesus and those who will not. Now, people hope in all sorts of different things, right? Some people hope in religious activity. If I do enough spiritual things, religious things, then maybe God will be pleased with me. Some people hope in doing good deeds. If I help other people out, then that's gonna weigh out the bad in my life. I'm gonna put, that's where my hope is. That's where my faith is, is in doing good things. Some people hope in not being as bad as other people. So that if they can maybe be above the curve, they'll still be okay. I'm not as bad as that guy, and that's where my hope is. Some people hope that there's no God. That's still a belief. You can't prove it. All of these are something that you hope in. I hope it works out this way. I hope he doesn't exist. I hope that I do this and it's good enough. All of these are based on hope. Choices to exercise belief in something that you cannot prove. So the question is, which group are you in? And according to Simeon, one group will rise and one group will fall. There's a group of people that are trusting in Jesus and following after him. And there's another group of people who are not trusting in Jesus and will be separated from God when they die. And as I mentioned earlier, to be separated from God is to be separated from the source of all good things. And so there will be nothing good there. Never mind the punishment aspect, there will be nothing good to enjoy when you're separated from God. It's not about what you do. It's about who you know. Do you know Jesus? 
Do you have a relationship with Jesus? So many of us think it's about the things that we do when it's about the person we're supposed to know. And that is the message of Simeon. That is the hope that Simeon had. This baby is salvation. Not just we'll bring it, not just if you do the things he say, if you know him, it's knowing him. He is the key. He is the one who unlocks the door. He is the relationship that connects you to God. So what if you don't know Jesus? What if you have not followed him? What if this Sunday is the first time you've been to church in a long time? Or maybe never. What does that mean for you? Well, it's easy to say you just need to commit or take off. That's not what we're all about here. And that's not what the Bible is all about. Jesus' ministry was not one of inviting people to go in head first without getting to experience him first, without getting to know him, spending some time with him. His whole thing was, I want you to come follow me and then get to see the truth of what I say, get to experience it, get to observe. His disciples did not all believe everything about him, didn't even know everything about him when they first started following him. It took them a long time. And there were times when Jesus said, how long have you been with me? How many things have you seen and yet you still don't believe? But these are men who spend every day with him, walking with Jesus himself. And so the message I have for you is that maybe, just maybe, if you are not a follower of Jesus, the next step for you is is not necessarily to go ahead and walk down the aisle and say, this is it, I'm gonna commit my whole life to Jesus here. Maybe it is, and I I hope that it is. But for some of you, you're saying, nope, that's not me, I'm, I'm not there, I'm not gonna do that. And the next step for you is just to get to know him. Does that make sense? It's about knowing Jesus. Well, how do you do that? Well, one way is to read about him. In the writings that we have left over from the men who walked the earth with him and wrote these things down so that we can understand them. There are Bibles all around you in the seats and we have them at our welcome center. You're welcome to take one if you don't have one. Or I mentioned the YouVersion Bible app earlier. Start reading the Bible and get to know Jesus. You start by getting to know him. Not just by doing good things, not by doing the things he wants, you think he wants you to do. By getting to know him, learn about him. If you don't know where to start, start in the Gospel of John. Read through the Gospel of John. You can find that in the index of the Bible. Or just flip to about the middle and keep going until you find John. And read through that and you'll start to get to know Jesus as a person, as an individual. Not just the teachings, not just the principles, although those are important. That's not where God wants us to start. He wants us to have a relationship with him. That's what he is here for. He is salvation, the person, not just the activities. There's another way that you can start to get to know Jesus and understand what it's like to be a follower of his. And that is to become a part of a group here. We have groups, communities of people that that get together on a regular basis and they study the Bible together and they talk about life together and they kind of know what's going on and they care for each other and they pray for each other. The Bible says that those who follow Jesus, when they gather together in different forms, they are the body of Christ. The body of Christ. You want to get to know Jesus? You want to get to know Jesus Christ? Get to know the body. Spend some time with people who follow him and just see if Jesus has made a difference in their life. Spend time with them. You can go to efree.org slash groups and you'll find a whole list of groups that you could get into. Or use the contact information there to ask for some help to get plugged into the right group for you. But my challenge for you, if you're not sure what to do next and you're just curious about this whole Jesus thing is get to know some Jesus followers. And you may rightly say, I've gotten to know some Jesus followers and I want to be nothing like them. 
And I'm sorry for that because that's not the way it's supposed to be. But the reality is that we are all broken people and just because we're following Jesus doesn't mean we are fully like him yet. We're still working on it. We're still broken, messed up people. And so what you need to do is you need to get to know Jesus. Not just his followers, but get to know him. And one of the greatest ways to do that is not only to read his word, but to get to know other people who follow Jesus, his body. Another thing you can do if you are interested in Jesus is to come down front at the end of this service. We'll have people here who would love to talk with you, pray with you, answer questions, connect you in the right direction to get resources that you may need. I will be around back in the lobby if you wanna talk to me. And we would love to introduce you to Jesus, the person. Not Jesus, the lawgiver, although he has a lot of good teachings that we should follow. But it's Jesus, the person, and a relationship with him that Simeon is talking about that's going to make a difference. When it's time for you to go to heaven or not, to be in heaven or to be in a place we tend to call hell, the question is not going to be, how much good did you do and did it outweigh the bad? Or was it better than other people? The question is going to be, who do you know? On whose name are you entering in here? And it's only through the person of Jesus. He is salvation. There's one other thing I want to share. And that's to those of you, probably most of you, who are already followers of Jesus. Here's the thing. When we come to saving faith in Jesus Christ, it's a great day, isn't it? And it's exciting and it's wonderful and we just want to soak up his word and we want to dig into it. We want to get to know other Christians. We want to grow in our relationship with God and with other people. And over time, it is so easy for that relationship to become distant. It's kind of like in college or in high school, you had some good friends and maybe you promised each other that that was going to stay that way forever. Didn't always work out that way, did it? Because eventually you move to different places and you don't keep in touch as much as you thought you would and the weekly phone calls become monthly phone calls, become annual phone calls, become a Christmas postcard. You've all got those people. The relationship becomes distant over time because you're not spending time with each other, maybe because you can't. I want to remind you that the relationship God has wanted with you from the very beginning is not just one where you do good things for God. It's not just one where you do the things he wants you to do, although that is good. It's one where you have a relationship with him. Jesus did not come to be the Messiah who would do things so that you can do things. He came to be the Messiah so that you could have a relationship with him and he could reveal God to you. And so maybe for you, this Christmas is a time to hit a spiritual reset button to say, I am going to get serious about my relationship with God. I'm going to spend time with him. If I don't do it much now, maybe it's every week to start with. If I do it a couple times a week, maybe it's every day. I am going to get serious about my relationship with God because I feel like we have grown distant. And so I'm going to spend time with him. I'm going to pray to him more. I'm going to have a, a really active prayer life. I'm going to start writing those things down. I'm going to read his word and try to learn more about him because I want to have a relationship with him because look, this is what God wanted with you from the very beginning. We've been talking about this for weeks now. What God wants with you is a relationship, a close, meaningful relationship with him. Jesus did not just come to do, he came to know. It's not just what you do, it's who you know. Do you know Jesus? Are you walking closely in relationship with him? 
I'm gonna invite you to bow your heads now as we close. I wanna pray for each of you. After the service, there'll be an opportunity to respond. God, for everyone in this room, everyone watching online right now, you came as a Jewish man, born as a baby, lived life with us because we could not get to you. And so you came for us. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus, for your salvation. And I know that there are people here today who probably have not placed their hope in you, have not trusted in you. My prayer for them is that you would shine that light on yourself and reveal yourself to them. Maybe through what we've communicated this morning, maybe through the the scriptures that we've read, maybe through something else that they'll experience this week. Lord, would you reveal yourself to them so they can see you clearly as you shine that light back on yourself and know that you are God and know to put their hope and faith in you. And for everyone who already knows you as Savior, God, my prayer for them is that you would remind them of how much you love them and want to know them and that that relationship with you would grow strong this week as we remember what you did for us in a couple of days on Christmas and throughout 2020, Lord. I pray that our relationship with you would grow strong and that through knowing you, we would want to do the right things. Not doing the right things to be approved by you, but knowing you so well that our wants change and we do the things that you want us to do because of our relationship with you. I pray this for everyone who is here right now and I pray that you would be glorified uh, as we sing a, a closing song in honor of what you have done for us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.